Oh, welcome. Welcome to the show, The Young Jerks. My name is Mike Crawford, the host. Been away for a couple weeks. Uh, missing you all, but we're back. We're in a new location. A lot of things are uh, happening, a lot of stories, news, activity. Probably get a lot of phone calls today, too, good and bad. Uh, we'll take your calls. We'll take them early, but if you're going to call, you better be listening because I know a lot of people want to call about the free weed. We talk about free weed today. We're going to hopefully give away some free free weed. I got, I, people send me stuff, give me stuff. I always give it away to patients. We're going to actually talk about this today, giving away things, free weed, giving away cannabis. My name is Mike Crawford. I'm, I'm a, I got a special guest here. I don't want to just talk about <laughs> free weed. But if you want to call in about the free weed, you can definitely do so. Uh, our phone number, which I don't have in front of me, I think it's 502-501-3477. Yes, it is. Wow, I'm good today. I don't even need a piece of paper to remember it. Um, okay, my name is Mike Crawford. I got a great guest here, too. Uh, we got some great people here. We're, we're in a new location tomorrow, and I'll say Dig Boston, which I love. This is, uh, I'm very excited to be here. I got to say, uh, yeah. This is, I've, I've written for this uh, publication for a long time, on and off. I was previously like a weekly columnist here for many years. No, well, maybe a few years, a couple of years. But uh, more recently, I just do it once in a while when I can. But uh, it's really good to have uh, the Young Jerks here at Dig Boston today, their headquarters. We're really happy to be here. But uh, we also have a special guest here. Uh, it's, a, it's a return guest, but it's also a first-time interview about something special here um she last time she was here she was an alder man or an alder <laughs> woman i don't know what you call from melrose she was here in a great episode with Shalene title uh with the uh, uh somerville uh city councilor uh ben ben ewan campin yep. thank you <laughs> yep I, I actually just listened to that and uh I didn't want to do it again. I didn't want to screw up the Owen. Uh, uh, it was nice to have Thank another you. person whose name was a little challenging. Yes, yeah. a, a challenging for me. Yeah. Almost all of them are, except for Shaleen Title. <laughs> um, but uh, so you were on that episode. That was a great episode. It got a lot of views. Uh, you're back. And uh, recently we talked about that, I think, on that episode maybe or, or other episodes about, you know, when they when you have these councils and they're called aldermen and you have a female, it's, it's really strange uh, and kind of a push to change it to city council, and it's it since happened, right? Yeah, uh, it's funny. The timing of um, this conversation, uh, just on Thursday night, we um, our board of aldermen voted. Um, I don't remember what the vote was. I think it was 9-1. And Someone voted against it? Well, was he a guy? Well, so the person who actually voted against it wanted a bit of a compromise where apparently the city of Woburn has a city council, but the, um, the members are still aldermen and alderwomen. Okay. Um, so ultimately I think just knowing where that conversation has gone over the last several years, um, one of my colleagues on the board of aldermen, uh, Jennifer Lem Lemmerman introduced this in 2016 to change it. At that time it was sort of, a relatively newer thing to do. Um, there was another attempt in 2017, it failed twice. So this time it not only we got, not only did we get a majority of votes, it was almost unanimous. Um, Monday night we have the, or Tuesday, Monday's a holiday. Um, we have a final vote, 
but ultimately we're well on our way to officially becoming a city council. I have not, I've been, I've gotten very used to being called an alderman, um, but I, it's funny how awkward it is for other people to call me that. Right. For me, it is. Yeah. It no, I get it. it. So I mean, I'm it glad. took me so some, now, it now took me some getting used yeah. to too. But. And, and uh, I saw the graphic, they had our names up there because I haven't introduced <laughs> you yet, which is awesome. Our, our producers are on that. They misspelled Melrose though, I noticed. They dropped right. an E. Melrose has an E, <laughs> but we're close. <laughs> we got to make sure people know who uh, we're speaking to. Yeah. Because uh, again, we had you back uh, again on the show. Uh, you were an alderman from Melrose, yep. and now we're calling you city councilor yep. of Melrose, Melrose city councilor. Uh, you're also, which is this is the great news, is that you've announced that you're running for mayor of Melrose. Yes, I am. And this is your first interview on. This the is subject. my first Perfect. official interview. And uh, your name is uh, Manisha. Yes. Butra. Correct, Manisha Butra. That's right. And I, I tried to practice that to make sure I, I got it right. If I don't get it right again, I at least got it right the first time. <laughs> yeah, well, you did. And I, again, I think the effort is a lot, a lot of it for me. It is. I'm trying, even though I'm not always good. So I try. Um, but again, our, if you want to call in, you can definitely call in. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, though. I mean, last time you were here, it was exclusively, it was a cannabis discussion about mm -hmm. you know, what was going on mm -hmm. in the city and towns. So I don't want to leave that out. I want to get to a lot of the other things that are going on in Melrose yep. while you're running for mayor. But I want to just get right to that because uh, I think there's been updates. Like, and you were really good. Like, I, uh, in that episode, I listened to you, um, and you really came from this, you know, not knowing a lot, and you really got to the place where you should be. I really feel quickly, and we're a good advocate for our cause of you know cannabis and equity and making sure it's done the right way. Where does that stand right now in Melrose? What is happening in Melrose on cannabis? When we last met, um, our planning board had put together an initial proposal, but we hadn't yet voted on it or discussed it at the Board of Aldermen. Um, again, you know, as you know, a lot of communities were facing the end of their moratorium uh, for rec recreational marijuana. And um, so the initial planning board proposal included um, this area near Route 99, which is a little out of sight, out of mind for most of Melrose. Um, and it also included um, an area near Oak Grove with the intention of being transit accessible. Um, you know, so there's a transit accessible location as well as an auto oriented one. That location, uh, what the neighborhood came out in a lot of opposition to that particular location. The Oak Grove. Yep. The Oak Grove area. Not and surprised. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a lot of interest. There was some interesting back and forth because on the one hand, it's right on the border of Malden and Malden could very easily have a, uh, um, a retail shop right on the other side of the border and a lot of the concerns around traffic and things like that could still impact the folks on the Melrose side. I do think there were some interesting points raised in terms of how that neighborhood in particular has seen more development than a lot of other parts of the city and i was sympathetic to that um but it, it, it i think there were a lot of things that came up there was also a daycare in that area and as you can imagine there were the concerns that came up around that um it was an interesting conversation um but ultimately it it came across as sort of a no-go um when we had our joint hearing with the planning board and the board of aldermen um, and so the planning board went back to the drawing board they actually took that zone out um, and 
and replaced it with uh, some areas in our downtown. Um, you know, again, whether I think there were a lot of interesting points made and as to what I might have liked to see is actually allowing it both in both locations right. because from a business opportunity perspective, it wouldn't have been, I think, a panacea where sure. we would have had one in every district per se. I think there's a lot of different challenges as it is to it barriers to entry in terms of Absolutely. being able to, to open to open Even get to sell that first plant <laughs> yeah um but ultimately um our downtown so my perspective was i supported the second proposal um it it's our i think there were a lot of i heard a lot of interesting feedback from the community you know again there's a lot of fear around this new use that people aren't used to thinking about but also um, marijuana has been illegal for so long and I think there's as you know all this stigma around sure. it um, a lot of concerns around sort of it being within walking distance of the high school um, and I am concerned about youth um, access I think the reality is it's going to be in our communities whether it's in our Definitely. downtown or not yeah I think I think access is a reason we should make it legal you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in that kind of, you know, late 80s, you know, culture <laughs> where right. it was harder to get a six pack of beer than it was to get weed, yeah. cocaine, acid, whatever else you wanted you could get in five minutes. It was I, somewhat hard. You had to find I, someone 21 plus that would actually go buy you alcohol or steal it from them. I mean, that's that that was the choice when you were a 15 year old kid. Right. But I could get any of the other stuff like right away. Yeah. And often what you'd find in the high schools and, you know, I was later a coach and a teacher and worked with kids is that, the, you know, and the, the saddest stuff when I was coaching and, and, and teaching was seeing 15, 16 year old kids selling this stuff in the schools. And, and if almost every public school, you'll find one or two kids. And sometimes that's your student. And it's for me it was heartbreaking to see a kid get busted like that and just to see what would happen to them and just to see that they would even be doing that the kid's 15 16 year old he's the local weed dealer you know and that's like the opportunity for a lot of these kids to get ahead and i think that we should take it away and give it to the adults and, and allow the adults to decide not not a six you know another story i always told was when i was a uh, waiter bartender one of the bartenders had a had a relationship go wrong and the and he he used cannabis. He was a bartender, mm -hmm. and uh, the the woman went and told the local police officer that he sold marijuana to kids. And so the local police officer came in and asked him about it because he knew him. And uh, I was standing right there, and he said, "No, I don't sell weed to kids. I buy weed from kids. I'm like a 50, 60 year old bartender, and I have to go buy it from the guy who's you know a dishwasher or the prep cook out back. He's 17. He's got the best stuff." Shouldn't it be the opposite? Shouldn't it be the sixty-year-old yeah. decides whether the seven versus yeah. you know? It's There's so outrageous. So really insidious about that and how that pipeline must have been. And I mean, it, that was you know you're talking about you grew up in the '80s. I'm like I'm I think every single decade since then that has been true yeah. about at least about weed. I don't right. you know whether or not up other substances. But, but yeah, and then it's not always the other substances in every school, but in not every school has a weed dealer, but a lot of them do. And a lot of them do have other substances too. Most high schools yeah. I'm aware of. It's just, that is. Uh, you know, because I'm, I'm going off on this a little bit yeah. uh, with you too, because I want to yeah. bring this up. I want to make sure I drive down deep on this because there's been a, a big push this week 
to create this new drug war on cannabis uh, coming from a couple of police officers, police chiefs who want to be appointed. I noticed that the what they're pushing uh, picks two of them, and there's two of them standing there, so I guess we know which two want to get the job. Uh, but they're basically starting to start a task force against marijuana. And they're not talking about gifting cannabis. They're not talking about open-nose shops. They're just talking about arresting people and throwing people in jail. Uh, so I want to ask you about that. But we also got a phone call. So, uh, And that's one of the reasons why we're going to start giving away cannabis on the show. We're going to give it away to people. Who's on the phone? Nobody. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll let the call go. Uh, Hello? Oh, now you're there. Who's this? Oh, hi, it's Pat. Um, I heard about, um, I heard, I was told to call this number at 6 o'clock for uh, free cannabis. Oh, you want some free cannabis, huh? See, yeah, well, have you ever listened to the show before? I honestly haven't. All right, what's your name? Um, Pat Sullivan. Pat Sullivan, okay. We are going to give away free cannabis. We have some ground rules. We haven't even gotten to them yet. But we want your yep. calls. Like, you're not disqualified. You're, like, in the running right now. <laughs> and we're going to do this all the time. So there's, like, you know... Multiple chances. The number one thing is you got to check out the Young Jerks on our Facebook page and start mm-hmm. listening. We have a live broadcast going right now. So you're yep. in the running. Pat Sullivan, where, where where do you live? Are you local? Because one of the big rules is we can't mail it to you. It's, it would be a federal crime. You, you're going to have to pick it up from us if you win the contest today. Yeah, I'm on Cape Cod. Okay. So you're probably out for today unless you can get up to Boston. Um, I pro- um what, today? Yeah. Or this week. Oh. Uh, or next week. Was that? Or next week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we. I got another. We have. We have a. Uh, a guest here sitting. <laughs> Pat. Do you have a question for her? She's running for mayor of uh, Melrose, the city of Melrose. Do you have any uh, comment or question for her? Running. Running for mayor of Melrose. Um. I can't. I honestly can't think of a que- have a question for you off the top of my head. Uh, you maybe you should ask her if she's got any free weed. What? Um. Do you have any free weed, uh, Miss May- Mayor Wannabe? I do not have any free weed. <laughs> She's a city councilor. <laughs> I don't know. I are you trying to buy her a vote? Are you trying to get your uh, vote buying, weed buying? <laughs> um, no. Um, you know what? Uh, like, I thought this was... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I was just told to call this number. So yeah, I, really I love it. It's gone viral. People want the free weed. That's awesome. I lo- I want you to keep listening to our show. My name's Mike. I'm, I'm glad you called in, Pat. You are definitely in the running. You're not out right now. Okay. And and I may you, you may need to call back later though because we, we we still haven't figured out how we're gonna do this today. Okay. But it's an ongoing contest and we will be giving away free weed. I guarantee you. So we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for calling. We got other calls. Thanks, Pat. All right, we got another call. We'll take it. We'll take one more call and then we'll wait on the call, quash the calls for a little while. Who's on the phone? Hello. Hello. Who's this? This is Big Ed. Big Ed, what's up? Not now. I want to ask her, her position on uh, creating a whole new task force when we already have, you know, law enforcement to deal with illegal uh, sales. I love you, Ed, because I started to build that up before we got that call, and I was going to ask that question, and you just asked it for me. You're, you're awesome, Ed. Ah. So catch no, me. I'm not going to sit in your spot. Catch me up a little. You started telling me about yeah. this, and I know well, I've they, heard they, a little they, bit. The, the state is talking uh, to uh, state, rena- uh, state rep, uh, Hannah Kane, who was against every cannabis thing we ever did at the state house she was against all the initiatives and a uh a state senator michael moore uh, pushing a bill to come up with a new task force which is basically a criminal task force with police officers with law enforcement 
and basically to set up to, to, to arrest people is what they're talking about. Um, well, my gut reaction to this is one of the things that's concerned me about the entire conversation around cannabis and marijuana use is how, why it was even criminal, criminalized in the first place. And I mean, it sounds like a reaction to the fact that we're decriminalizing marijuana. And I'm always concerned about who are these types of policies really targeting and what's the Isn't purpose? is funny? Because you know what they call it. We can, we need, I, I forgot to mention the other part. They, they say it's because the black market is out of hand. I mean. Coded or not so coded. I yeah. mean, I don't even know if they get it, but it's just like we, yeah. it's like, it, sometimes I feel like we live in this society, like, you know that movie They Live where you have the glasses on? I do not know that uh, movie. It's like this, all of a sudden you can see everything that everyone else can't see. Like the, the propaganda. And I'm just like, how can't people even see that? Like, I, so I really obvious. struggle. I mean, the more I learn about, and as you know, we s talked about in our previous, um, in the previous show, I've, I'm learning as much as I can. I certainly don't consider myself an expert, but the more I learn, I just don't understand why the substance was ever illegal. Um, or I do, but it doesn't seem to be related to its, um, health impacts per se and th the disparate um prosecution and the way it's I, I don't know i mean i just again we were sort of talking about how um most of us knew that if we ne wanted to in high school we could access weed um i think i always come back to an experience i had so i went to graduate school at an Ivy League school, you know, it was sort of a very, but it was in a neighborhood that was very different from the school, the institution itself. So I went to the University of Pennsylvania is, that's in West Philadelphia, predominantly black neighborhood, um, lots of history between this wealth, wealthy institution and the surrounding neighborhood. And I remember as a, a resident assistant in the dorms when I was there, having an experience where there were kids smoking weed on on the floor and it was one of these situations where we weren't sure how to involve I, it was one of these things where I, so i called the cops um and they basically looked the other way they were like oh yeah it's fine they're fine and my fellow ra who was with me uh, she grew up in arizona in a poor neighborhood uh predominantly people of color, um, and she herself was Latina, and her mother was pulled over, arrested with, you know, on suspicion, and there was weed in the car. And, and she just was livid. She was like, this experience that my mother had in comparison to what I'm seeing these very privileged students experiencing it just didn't it was so jarring for us and I think that was my first hand um, opportunity to one witness okay I feel a little icky that I called the cops in the first place sure. and it was like uh, how do I do my job effectively but then on the other hand seeing that one set of kids is sort of like oh they're fine these are smart kids whatever and looking the other way, which I think there's some concerns there too, because there's also binge drinking and a lot of other things that went on where we need to be concerned about those kids. But on the other hand, 
neighborhoods where folks are being impacted for years um, based on these socioeconomic yeah. and skin color. Right, right. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll add, so not a there? fan of the task force. Yeah, big idea. Ed, you still there? <laughs> Summarize. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I got his uh, answer. Not a big fan of the task force. Uh, I'm not either. And that's again why we're doing this uh, free cannabis contest that people are calling about the free weed. Uh, we're gonna actually be giving it away. You know, I have uh, some edibles. I got some. Uh, what is this? Uh, vapor. Some cannabis vapor. Cartridges. I also got some flour. We're going to be giving away. I, I always do this. I give it away to patients, especially the edibles. Someone gave me this for free. I don't like edibles, so I always give them away to friends and, and especially patients. Uh, we're looking to do that today. We're going to be, you know, people calling in. But the deal is you have to come get it. You know, you have to come get it. Um, we'll base it on the best caller. And you have to be listening. You have to be listening to the show, know what's going on. Maybe have a good comment for our guest, a good question <laughs> for our guest. Um and you know you get a follow up with us um, on our Facebook page. So far we had two calls. Ed, uh, Big Ed, I know is all set. So so far the first caller is in the win. You know he's in the running, but he has to be listening and he has to be smart enough to send us a message on our Facebook page after to see if he won. And that, that's one of the rules. And you got to be 21 plus. That's you know one of the obvious big rules. Uh, we we're even you know it's funny because it says in the law that you can gift at 21 plus, right? But it says that you can't advertise it or promote it. We're doing that. We're, you know, we're going to talk to a lawyer, and you know, because we feel like this is a First Amendment issue, um, and we're just going to break the rules anyways, because we don't think we're going to be prosecuted for this. We don't think we'll get in trouble for this. Uh, we think if we do, it will be a big deal for everybody, and we'll probably get more subscribers. And we don't give a crap at this point because we're challenging the politicians to do it. They want to talk about cracking down on the black market, supply and demand. Right? We need more supply. Uh, they should be growing it and giving it away to their friends. They can gift it. If they want to cut down on the black market, stop gifting it like we are. That's what we're doing. We're helping patients because there aren't enough places open. There aren't enough places that have a good product for a good price, unless you have a card right now. Let's take a phone call. Who's on the phone? Hi, yes. This is Jason. Jason, what's up, man? How's it going, man? Good. What's your call about? You want the free weed? You uh, have a question for the... Yeah, I want the free weed. <laughs> is that why you called <laughs> in today? Yes, sir. <laughs> Have you been listening? Do you know what's going on on the show? Do you just, just yeah, I've been watching on Facebook. Good. All right. So, what do you think about uh, this whole like this whole thing? That uh, do you think that uh, I don't? I don't know. I don't really get into that. I just smoke weed. <laughs> do you do you, do you uh, have you checked out the recreational stores? Uh, a little bit. What do you think about them? Like, do you think that the price is still too high? It's too much. You know, yeah, yeah, too high. Definitely too high. It's definitely cheaper on the street. And on the street, that's and and that's what they're talking about. Like, the politicians right now are talking about cracking down on all those like those folks that are helping you out on the street. They're talking yeah. about throwing them back in jail, taking their houses, and that's oh, why. Oh, that that's, that's what, not right. They're yeah. just trying to make a living. And that that's why I want to start giving it away. I want to start challenging these politicians, like. The problem is people don't have access to it. Like even at the dispensary, it's still too expensive. There still aren't enough of them. And now you're going to arrest people. Yeah. It's it's like you know, let's give it away. Let's let's if they want to, the politicians want to do something. I'll do something. I'll give it away. You know. Hey, there we go. So uh, what I want you to do is uh, give us your your quick pitch on why you should win this week's uh, stash. And we got some edibles. We got some uh, vaporizers. We got some flour. What do you, what um, what product do you like the best? Number one. 
Um, probably the edibles. Okay, so the, you got the gummy bears, sativa, three hundred milligrams. Um, you're in the running for them. The what you got to do now is send us a message after the show on our Facebook page so we know who you are. Um, okay. And you have to be able to come and get them. Okay. Either in Boston or Salem over the next couple of weeks. We'll, we'll, you know, if you win. But you got to tell us why, okay. why, you, why you should get them over someone else. Uh, I don't, I don't know really how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I like that answer. Like, you know what? You know why I um. I like you right now, and, and why you're like jumping ahead because you're, you're honest. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Some people would bullshit and come up with like a fake answer. You're honest. I like it. <laughs> so thank you for thank calling, you. and uh, keep listening. Send us a message to on our Facebook page. All right, I will. Thank you. All right, we're the Young Jerks. We're here uh, uh, with Disrupt Boston. Uh, we're coming uh, today from Dig Boston headquarters in Boston. Uh, we're very excited to be back in the city of Boston uh, with, with a uh, city councilor from Melrose, the city of Melrose, Melrose, uh, Manisha Putra, uh, and she's running for the mayor of Melrose, and we haven't gotten to many questions. We're like talking about the free weed. The free weed has taken over. People are calling it. We're going to take a break from calls right now. We're going <laughs> to get into the to the real stuff. On uh, See, they're, they're still coming in. They're still coming. Uh, so the city of Melrose, uh, tell us why, number one, you're running for mayor. Sure. Um, actually, can we finish? So where oh, we were we on, no. So our policy, um, what we ended oh, up Canada. with was actually not allowing it in downtown, limiting it to one, um, capping it at one. And we already have one medical dispensary in that route 99 area. Um, so we're limiting one to one retail and one um and only allowing the non-retail uses in that area that was the outcome um it was a little disappointing for me because i was concerned that we were making decisions kind of out of fear um but i think a lot of folks in the community it's just fo it's new for folks and so i respect that i think it's it, it's it's challenging but it, you know your Do previous you callers were asking about yeah. Um, cost and when we limit opportunities, the cost goes up. That's right. So I, I mean, think that's, that's that's what Big Ed when he called in. That's what he's concerned about. Yeah, and I and I think it's it's like with each city and town making these incremental decisions, the impact over the whole region is going to be significant. High cost. So this is why people go to the black yeah. market. Right. Right. So. So, um, do you think that there's an opportunity later to revisit that and, and change? That's certainly the way my colleagues left it. Um, and I think, I do think that, you know, again, I think everyone feels like they're dealing in unknowns. And that is, I think, the reason the vote went the way it did. Um, so absolutely, I think, you know, give it a year um, of just like how we've now seen, I think the tide has really turned even on on medical on dispensaries um you know i think when when that was going in it initially there was a lot of concern in the community and now everyone's like oh we get it we, yeah, understand, we understand medical, medical just not recreational yeah so i i, I suspect you know that's going to change over time um and that we could even do that change proactively but i i think people need to see it to believe it which you know again from for me it's i i feel like we had an opportunity um from a uh to overcome some fears 
by trying it out, but I understand where we're at as well. So anyway, you were asking me why I'm running yeah, for mayor. Yeah, why you're running for mayor. And I lo- you know, I, before you get there, I'm glad yeah. that you brought, made sure we finished the cannabis yeah, question. Yeah, Because people would have got mad at me. Yeah, no, I just, I'm like, we, the outcome wasn't probably what, you know, all of your listeners wanted to hear, but I wanted to make sure that I was clear about where, where we left that um, as a community. So it's um, important to know too that you were you were fighting for that second spot. You wanted them to see that. Well, I just believe so. I'm a, a city planner. Um, I I see these zoning conversations um, play out, whether it's affordable housing we're talking about, and I thought a lot of the same things that were coming up exactly. related to cannabis were things I hear about housing or about any other type of use, um, parking concerns. Any new business is going to bring. Um, parking concerns and I we've seen other cities figure out ways to manage that um, I think having things eyes on the street is another way of mitigating some of those safety concerns so there were a lot of reasons why I thought I was concerned we were operating out of fear um, and zoning based on fear um, but at the same time we're taking a cautious approach on some level, you know, that's that's what the community wanted and I respect that and I think we need to, you know, maybe revisit it in a year or two once things have been more established. But but that's kind of the lens I came from is looking at the evidence, talking with people um, in the industry, but also researchers who understand the public health impacts, understand the sort of revenue aspect and wanted to really see us make a decision based on evidence and not fear. Excellent. I was just checking out the comments on our Facebook Live. Yeah. Uh, People are commenting. Uh, uh, Dave Crespo from Melrose is talking about it because he's he's from Melrose, one of our uh, uh, former guy, you know, former uh, owners at our old station. WMF radio watching, yeah. And mm-hmm. I also, also mentioned Melrose, 1952, my grandfather graduated. Yeah, I think you, I was like, Melrose I f- remember you had I some had to Melrose look connection. And yep. I found his yearbook online. He was a great basketball player and uh, football player. 1952, Melrose High. So I got, I got Melrose connections, but yep. I don't live there anymore. I can't vote for you. But other people are looking to vote for you for running for mayor. Why did you decide to run for mayor? Why should people support you? Tell us about why. Um, sure. So... I think this is my dream job. I'm really excited about it. Um, And I feel even more confident that that's true. Um, In the last few days, I actually left my salary job so that I can campaign full time. Um, You're doing housing too? I was working in housing. And before that, I was working on sort of more comprehensive um, land use planning, um, which I can talk about in a minute. But I have been feeling nothing but just excitement and just feeling so happy because I know this is a big risk but it is it feels like my calling in many ways um I I think this is an opportunity where I will be able to bring I'm I have a unique skill set that I will be able to bring to the city of Melrose I'm a city planner a lot of my work has been with cities and towns throughout my career. I work with municipal government on a daily basis, and I've had clients, including the city of Melrose, um, all over the greater Boston, from towns as small as Boxborough all the way to, to Lynn. Um, as I was mentioning earlier, I went to graduate school in Philadelphia, so I did planning work um, for the city of Philadelphia, which is a city of one and a half million people. So I've, I've worked with municipal governments 
across a whole range, but particularly over the last 11 years here in the Metro Boston area. Um, so I bring an analytical and sort of technical skill set, but other things I have to be able to do to be effective as a planner, and I think ultimately effective as a mayor, are um, I'm really creative. I'm able to sort of think about what are these ongoing policy challenges that we are facing as a community and how can we maybe ask the questions differently? How can we bring people together in ways that maybe haven't been tried? Um, things like that. And I'm a people person. Um, it's at the at my core, I'm about building community. Um, again, I mentioned I was a resident assistant in the dorms. Um, that was like a sort of mini version of a 24-7 job where I'm navigating these interesting concerns that come up, conflict resolution, but also really just trying to create a sense of community um, within my, wherever I am. And I think that's just been a thread for me. I think what I'm going to bring to the city of Melrose is is that ability to, I mean, when when clients call me as a city planner, I've worked in the public sector for most of my career. So when other cities and towns call the state or call their regional planning agency um, to for help, it's usually because they're in the midst of some kind of change. And I am a, a facilitator of conversations around change. Um, I'm used to working with uh, communities and listening to folks from folks who have maybe grown up in the in the community uh, and to newcomers and trying to understand what people's underlying concerns are, figuring out how to bring them together, but also loving leveling with them about here's where we're going in terms of our demographic shifts. Here's where you know the realities from a m municipal finance standpoint. Here is what there are things happening like climate change and affordable housing crisis and all of those things affect us at the local level and how do we build all of those sort of challenges but also communicate um, with folks. I'm laughing at myself because I'm headbutting the microphone <laughs> and Murphy's laughing at it's me. It's cool. I mean, you're telling a great. No, it's great, all good. It makes me feel you know, so comfortable because I'm not doing that. Your, and your you do this all the time. Yeah. So no, thanks for making me. I'm you were crazy. doing it to make me I do it poorly all, all the time. <laughs> and you're great. Um, <laughs> so uh, you, there was also like uh, recently uh, like an override. And, yep. and Mal yep. uh, not Mal 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 Melrose, yep. the city of Melrose. And you're the city councilor there. Uh, you were part of that. Tell us about why there was an override, why why it went through, because I know most overrides don't go through locally. And w What is that? Well, so <coughs> this law, Proposition 2.5, has been, over time, creating a situation for cities and towns where their municipalities aren't able to raise the revenues through property taxes that keep up with costs. Um, as costs rise, they're rising above the level that municipalities are able to tax. And at the same time, from the state, there's less support um, in terms, support. so sort of, this is like a collision course that I think a lot of communities are right on. Um, like not just Melrose, but every A lot of communities. And like a lot of communities have recently state. passed overrides as well, because I think there's a recognition right now um, of really not, other great options. The fiscal reality. There's a fiscal what you reality. Just said, lack of state funding. Yep. The state funding has gone away, mm -hmm. and the costs have gone up, and the and the they can't and tax enough. And the that's law. the only way, you know, as a community, we 
are able to c control our own destiny is through our um, the revenues we raise through property taxes. Um, Melrose hadn't had one since 1992, if I'm recalling. Uh, all of these talking points were like at the tip of my tongue and I sort of blocked it out um, after the vote because it was such a long haul. I didn't really block it out, but. You worked on it a lot. Worked on it a lot. You, you, um, you had to let it go. Yeah, no, I, let, I have had to like sort of let it go, but um, we hadn't had one, a successful one since 1992. For a long time. So we were kind of in dire straits. Um, we. There had been an attempt in 2015. It failed pretty miserably, sadly. And now we were just at that much more of a crisis point where we were looking at laying off teachers. I think one of the catalysts for kind of some momentum and interest from the community was a report that came out that we were among the lowest in terms of how we were paying our teachers. We were losing teachers and the ones who were sticking around weren't getting paid very well. Um, we have had increased enrollment because of population. Our population has recently increased. And so our schools were becoming more overcrowded. And it was just like this perfect storm of all these things happening at once where there was, we were definitely at a point of crisis um, this, this time around. I think in 2015, that was the first sort of beacon of like, this is coming, but it wasn't enough of that crisis point, I believe. Um, and uh, one of the other things in Melrose that kind of contributed to, I guess, our limited ability to raise other revenue is we are predominantly a bedroom community. We're 95% residential. So even on the commercial side, like even if we do have more business opportunities, it's limited how much more we can do without massive land use changes. Um, so we were just sort of headed in this direction. Thankfully, it was really, um, it was a successful vote. Uh, there was a huge campaign effort, um, and I applaud the folks on the One Melrose team who who ran the campaign. I was involved as, as a, I can say city councilor now, as I was involved as a city councilor, and I, 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 you know, made an effort to do some canvassing, but I think the, the core team of folks involved in the campaign really made the difference. In 2015, we had roughly 5,000 no votes and 3,000 yes votes. In 2019, we had about the same number, about 5,000 no votes and 6,000 yes votes. Wow. So I think it, it became pretty clear, like there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think the campaign effort was a big piece of that. I think the other factors were the fact that parents with kids in the schools and the increasing enrollment, there was more of a, again, people feeling that pinch and, um, enough of a shift maybe in our local demographics to support it. Um, I think people are just generally more politically activated on some level right now and paying more attention, but I think the actual amount of door knocking, this, so the day of the override, the commuter train derailed and then the orange line was on fire. <laughs> it's like, and the campaign team actually figured out ways to pick people up from Wellington and from Oak Grove and get them to the polls. And I just, I feel like it was such an amazing, amazing effort awesome. from A to Z, from, you know, the beginning of the effort through the finish line. So now we have all this new money. Ooh. Um, I think a lot of the money is gonna, so a lot of it's gonna go to filling, you know, positions that have been cut in recent years, um, increasing teacher pay, uh, 
making sure we're up to date with technology and materials in our classrooms, um, making sure we have um, reasonable teacher-student ratios by being able to add some classroom space um, in the district. Uh, those are the ways in which it's gonna directly help the schools. But the other thing that's gonna happen is we've been year after year funding um, sort of the school side of our budget with uh, the sort of unallocated funds that are really intended to take care of one-time expenses. And we're no longer gonna have to do that at least for several years. So now our police vehicle that needs a jump start every time, um, there's a cruiser that needs a jump start every time we, it, it, it needs, you know, all the other ones are, I guess, out in the field or a fire truck that's had like $65,000 worth of repairs or um, snow plowing if we have a really snow win snowy winter, a lot of different really tangible things, potholes. Um, potholes are huge now. Lots of different things that we can actually proactively address. Um, and I'm really looking forward to just going forward with a mindset of, you know, there are things that came up on both sides of the campaign that we really do need to tackle. Um, I think there is all the positives that came out of the yes side, which were, you know, we want to be a really forward looking community. We want to be able to proactively address our concerns. We're a regional leader, but on the no side, there were concerns about um, accessibility of information clarity around our budgeting process, um, sometimes feelings around, you know, are people pulling one over us? Um, I know that all of the information is public, but I think what I can bring to the table is an ability to make sure that that information gets communicated out in a way where lots of people can participate in the process, but also understand it if they're a lay person. Great. Uh, we're speaking to a candidate, city councilor, She's a, she's a city councilor right now, presently, or soon to be. It's a weird thing because she's really an alder, uh, alderman. I'm still an alderman, but but yep. they just voted to change it to city councilor, so we're calling her city councilor, which she, you know she is. She will be very soon when it's finally official and the the law has changed. Yep. But you're in Melrose. Yep. And you're you're elected, and now you're running. The, what I said, you know, campaigning or uh, you know candidate for mayor. Yep. And uh, I'm hoping you win this. Like, what's the call? I mean, is there a mayor right now? Is is an open seat? What's so the deal? So we're that? in a really funky situation. That's sort of like unprecedented. Couldn't totally be predicted. Um, our previous mayor uh, left in the middle of his term um, to become a town manager elsewhere. And in our city charter, if a mayor leaves office after the halfway point in their term then the Board of Aldermen president becomes the mayor. Oh. And there's a whole backstory there in terms of, we were actually, this happened kind of in the, before, after the election, when I first became an alderman, um, it happened after the election, but before we actually had a Board of Aldermen president. And so then we had this whole election process or to appointment process to decide a, a president um, while knowing it was obviously gonna be, be somebody who was gonna become the mayor. Um, the mayor, uh, Gail Inferna is the mayor. Um, she, one of her pitches when she said she wanted to take this job is that she was not interested in running for the seat in 2019. 
Um, she was very clear about that, that she sort of saw it as a way to cap off her many years in public service. Uh, she was looking to retire as an alderman anyway, and this was kind of a neat way for her um, to to finish that up, uh, to, to finish out her public service career. She delivered us an override. So I would say for that stint, that that's a pretty is, cool she legacy. She's giving up the seat? Um, she's giving up the seat. Oh, that's cool. So it's an open so it's an seat. Open it's seat. the first time it's been open since 2003. Oh, it's great. Yeah. So this so is awesome. It's going really to be off to the races. Good shot uh, yep. to win this. Um, yep. So, again, we're, we're speaking into uh, Manisha. I said that right? Yep. Butra. Manisha Butra, excuse me. Um, and you're running for mayor of Melrose. Uh, some of the other things we want to ask you about, like, you, you, it's getting hot, hot in here, isn't it? Number one, yeah? A hot? little bit, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, like, dying, but... It, well, it's, know. like, 80 no, or something. I, I know, it's what, really it's warm, really outside. warm outside. outside. And we got lights on us. disconcerting, and, in a great way. But we'll, like, I think we'll be all right for a few more yeah. But, um... Like, what are some of the things, like, I know we talked about the money, but uh, are there certain things in, in the city that need to be changed, like, that would be your focus? I know you kind of talked about transparency. Are there certain things that you really think are kind of missing or that could be done better? Yeah. Like, what is your kind of vision there? Um, so a few different things. Um, so one I talked about, I really want people to feel like City Hall is open to them whether you're a business owner, whether you're a resident, whether you can vote or whether you're an immigrant who cannot vote or a high school student who cannot vote. I want everyone to feel like City Hall is theirs and that um, they have a way of participating in our local government. Um, I think, you know, as an alderman, some of the ways I do that right now are by having a social media presence, um, trying to make myself available for um, questions, things like that. But I think as a mayor, that can be my entire, you know, th this will be my full-time job. So I think being able to create more opportunities, um, I think, again, when we were talking on the show last time, I was talking about how, okay, people, we always tell people to get involved and pay attention to what's going on. And I'm somebody who's pretty involved, and yet I still have to like really carefully read our agendas, figure out, try to read between the lines to understand what's happening. Yep, no. And I think there are other ways we can, beyond sort of city council meetings where we can have conversations with the community, and then even within the city council meetings, find ways to make that participation a little less intimidating. Um, so that's one thing, it's just creating access and opportunities for participation. I think from a kind of more technical standpoint, um, I think I've seen things where we sometimes will make these ad hoc policy decisions instead of kind of taking a step back and looking at um, a system as a whole. So for example, um, something that's come up over and over is snow removal um, in the city. And um, you know, if you walk places, just one house not shoveling or oh, one yeah. business not shoveling their sidewalk is going to impact you. It's like a clogged artery. Especially if you're in a wheelchair right? or you're walking yeah. dogs like I do. And so I think awful. it's recognized that that's a challenge. The actual number of um, properties within the community that aren't being shoveled is pretty small. And we had this whole discussion several months ago about, you know, how do we create an equitable policy for snow removal when some homes have sidewalks, some don't. 
not just homes, like businesses, empty lots, parks, whatever. Some areas have sidewalks, some don't. Um, some of the sidewalks, like mine, I'm lucky to be on a city snow plowing route. So the city actually plows my sidewalk. Right. It's great. Yeah. I'm very lucky. Um, and so there's like an equity question there, right within itself, right? That that one, different people have different things in front of their property. Um, but then the other thing was there was a pro there was a proposal to um, kind of create a fine structure where if I'm mad at my neighbor or if I'm really frustrated with you know a sidewalk not being shoveled, can call in. I can call in Snish and line. yeah and. On some level, I think we do need something like that because there are problematic sort of property owners who need some way, whether it's a fine or just a call from City Hall, um, there needs to be some sort of system of accountability. But to me, it just raised all these other questions. And through that conversation, what I started to realize was we really need to update our citywide plowing routes. Um, they haven't been looked at in several years, but also, make sure that things are being done kind of in the proper order. So if this, the sidewalk is being shoveled first before the road and then the snow plow comes through on the road, it's Push gonna plow snow. <laughs> yeah, right. a ton the of sidewalk. snow onto the sidewalk, especially if you're on a corner. And after I started paying attention to, we had this whole discussion to where those issues were happening, I was noticing that some of the problem areas were on the areas that the city was responsible for. And so hmm. what I'm hoping to bring to the office of mayor I've, I've is a more, a more systemic approach. Yeah. Like let's look Same at the whole thing. system. Thanks. Let's figure out a way for folks who are actually doing the walking to be able to f help us figure out the right policy because they're the ones who have to deal with this on a daily basis. We pride ourselves on our transit access for a walkable city, you know, city and, and is, especially it's very out. walkable and, and yet, there's this funky situation where, you know, winters are challenging. And yeah, it's New England, we get that, but there are ways we can do it better. Um, and so that's something where I, I, I sort of saw a solution being proposed um, that I appreciated the and agreed with the intention of, but it was kind of the wrong solution for something that was a more systemic problem and i think that's the lens i can bring is being able to look, look both zoom out look at the whole system but then also really get into the nuts and bolts um because i've had to do that in so many other communities this is great um, we're speaking to a melrose city councilor manisha butra uh, she's running for mayor of melrose in massachusetts uh, my name is mike crawford this is the young jerks um we're we're taking your phone calls too we we opened the lines for a little while it got crazy about the free weed if people want to call in about free weed again, that's great. Make your case on why we should give you the products. We got some edibles, 300 milligrams. We got some, uh, what do we call this? The vapor, a vapor cartridge. Um, and we also have some flour. But you got to come You got to come get it. You got to be 21 plus. Um, but we're going to start doing this. We're going to start giving it away through our show because uh, we feel like that we want to cut down on the black market that the law enforcement is talking about. We had another comment here, too, about that uh, from Grant that I want to read. But before I do that, uh, we have a big event coming up, April 27th. It's also my birthday, but it's the five-year anniversary party for this show, The Young Jerks. We're going to be five years old. That's unbelievable. I can't believe it's been five years. But we're going to have a party. We're doing awards. We have some politicians, some special people. Shaleen Title is going to be there, Tito Jackson. 
um, uh, Nika Alugado, the state rep. Um, w- w- are you are you available? Are you gonna be able to come down? It's the down the road beer company on our uh, Saturday at what like time six seven o'clock. So count me as a maybe. The okay. reason is it's also my son's birthday oh. on Sunday, oh. um, and my mom's gonna be in town. Yeah, I'm a mom okay. with mom, so it's like family stuff. Definitely kind of priority um, for it. that weekend. It's definitely one of those weekends where I think I've been invited to 25 events. Oh, and everybody like, is. Could it be a different weekend? But you know that's how it goes. I the event sounds awesome. It is, and um, I, it's it's funny because I forgot earlier. Uh, along with this contest for the free, we were also giving away tickets. If you want to get in, like some of the other people called today, any person that called today, all you got to do is send us a Facebook message, the Young Jerks at the Young Jerks on Facebook, or even our Twitter at the Young Jerks. It's J U R K S. Either one. Send us a message uh, and just give us your name and, and that you called in today. And uh, we'll definitely give you the free tickets. Everyone qualifies for the free tickets. We'll just put your name on the pa- you know guest list. You can get in April 27th down the road. Beer Company. It's a big event. It's our five-year anniversary. It's uh, an award show. We're going to have a couple bands. It's going to be a good time. You should definitely like come fun. down. Yeah. And uh, a lot of politicians, a lot of cannabis. It's going to be a little bit of everything. It's going to be the, about this show, too. It's going to be... A lot of uh, people from the past in the in the present from our show, our crews, everyone's going to be gonna there. Is it going to be, so are you broadcasting? Yes, and okay. we're broadcasting it live. So it's a live show that the public can come to. Cool. Like, you know how, uh, what, what's the Pod Saves America? They do the li- that. We're basically doing the same thing that they do that night. So, awesome. And that's our next show. We're not going to do another show uh, next weekend on April 20th. I'm taking it off. Uh, but April 27th is our next show at Down the Road Beer Company. Uh, we, we're inviting you all, and tickets are on sale right now, but you can also pay at the door. Uh, please come down, and if you need to get guest listed, just call into the show. We'll add you to the guest list. 502, what is it, 501? Is that right? <laughs> 3477. Yes, I got the number right finally. Call in right now, and we'll give you some tickets. We'll put your name on the uh, guest list. You can also be in the running for uh, our legal cannabis if you're 21 plus, and we're trying to cut down on the black market. We're challenging the politicians we're challenging the commissioners we're challenging the two police chiefs that keep talking about the black market and that there's a a, a rising black market well guys why don't you just start giving away the products why don't you start growing you can grow legally start giving it away encourage people to give it away more and also you know what else you can do encourage that we get to open more stores that we don't get blocked every step of the way that we remove some of these barriers on the local and town level because otherwise, this isn't going to work. And, and they are right to a certain extent. The black market will get worse. Uh, we want to get rid of the black market, but we don't want to bust people. We didn't vote to throw people in jail. We voted to end the black market by making the black market legal. Who's on the phone? Oh, yeah, this is Charlie Baker. Can I get some free tickets to the event? Charlie Baker, you're in. You going to bring your wife? <laughs> All right, thank you. Who's in? All right. Bye. I think I know who that is. All right. <laughs> we add Charlie Baker to the list. All right. Uh, you know what? I'll just leave the tickets on on the state trooper's uh, car when I drive by on the way home. I drive by his house on the way home. <laughs> so funny. Uh, so we're the young jerks, and I'm like sweating and laughing. We also had an issue this week. Uh, I'm going to mention alt-right clowns on Twitter. They're really mad at us. They're, re- they're really mad at Luke O'Neill. They're really mad at uh, a friend of our show. Uh, they're really mad at me. 
They even got me mad at Shaleen this week. Like, it's just out of control. Uh, people are talking about boycotting us and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But we think it's funny. <laughs> and we appreciate the support. We're wondering if we should start paying some of them because, I don't know, we get more calls. We got more Twitter followers. A anytime they start talking about us, it's kind of annoying in a way, but it's kind of fun. I don't know. But we, we mentioned in that. If hey, if they want to come down, they can pay the cover. April 27th. I heard some of them are coming down. I don't know. I don't know. You think they'll come down, Murph? No. Murphy doesn't think they'll come. But uh, beyond that, let's let's. Uh, Murphy is definitely getting some. Uh, I'm gifting him some free cannabis today. So we are definitely. That is the first person. He's my producer. He gets free cannabis, and I am advertising it right now. So I am actually. I should not tell anyone. <laughs> I should just give it to Murph and don't tell anyone. That's usually what I do. But now I am promoting it. I am advertising it. I am breaking the law, apparently. Oh, my God. I do not condone this. Yeah, you don't condone it. I know. But this, we call this civil disobedience. This is how we actually Fair change enough. the laws. You know, this is how we started. And I'm going right back to it because, you know, this is what the police chiefs should be doing. They should be giving it away to people. They want to stop the black market. Give it away. You think the black market would like that? No. And you know what? I, I say I'm going to quit using the, the illicit market because I think the black market phrase is not it sounds suspect. shady. It yeah. is. So let's call it the illicit market. You know, I challenge the Herald. I'll challenge myself from now on. If you hear me saying so that other term, call me out on it. It's fine. I, I'll, I'll, illicit market is what we should all they're be They're creating using. a task force. To go after. To go after the illicit market now that it's become, like, I don't. That's it's not what we I voted on. I don't quite understand. Yeah. And, and like someone, mo you know, some people, a lot of comments on that, too. People are talking a lot about this yeah. on our Facebook page. And people are noting. You know, we have the DEA, we have the FBI, we have the state police, we right, have the that's local what I'm, police, it we exists. have the Metco. We have so many law enforcement already. Why do we need to set up something else? And we have the C Cannabis Control Commission. Who's on the phone? Mike, it's Grant. How are you doing? Good. What's up, man? So I just, I, I had wanted to ask a question to the councilwoman earlier because I thought the conversation you were having about the potential task force was really interesting. And so the question I wanted to ask is, currently as this task force bill is written, it would basically bring together the state police, the Cannabis Control Commission, local police chiefs, and try to impose both criminal penalties and tax penalties yes, on services that are operating without permits. Would the councilwoman support a path to uh, a kind of amnesty for these services to get licensed? Because it seems like, as written, the bill is just meant to protect dispensary profits and allow police to target minority and other communities who are operating without those permits. And businesses that can't get permits, like delivery services and yoga services, and like there's all these other businesses right now that are somewhat legal, in my opinion, because, you know, who's going to prosecute someone using cannabis in a yoga class? But this, this is what we're talking about. Like, th they're at risk, too. Uh, what do you say to Grant? So the Absolutely. You know, I myself, I'm a homebound and a disabled medical cannabis patient, and I rely on these sort of gray market caregiver services to obtain medicine at a reasonable price. And you're a patient. And to think you are a patient. I know you, and you have serious yeah. medical issues. Right. And, and to think that these services might be targeted uh, with extra sort of force of the law Simply to protect dispensary profits, it, it, it's just abhorrent, in my opinion. Want to comment on that? 
Um, I mean, I think the first step sounds like opposing the legislation to begin with. Uh, if it were to pass, I think I would want to look into both the statewide level, but at the local level, how we can, um, I guess, stop its effects or or allow, just like we created an, a moratorium on uh, recreational marijuana, it seems like maybe we could do the same we thing. We study this. We could we study, need to study it. it um, we need to study it for right, years, decades right. to figure it out. Uh, what do you think about that, Grant? That kind of answer. I, it's the whole question is, I mean, not your question, but the entire premise is frustrating because it's like rather than taking a, a stance of let, let's learn how to understand the industry, understand why people are using the, as you call it, gray market, um, when you are a patient in particular, um, but across the board, regardless of sort of why you're using it, because we're on our path to legalization and we've legalized in the state, um, rather than sort of even understanding the problem to begin with, it's taking this punitive action, which I just, it just doesn't resonate. I don't, I don't understand. I understood your question. I just don't understand why it's even why, happening. Why we're even doing it. What do you think <laughs> about that, Grant? Other than the, the reasons we all kind of know. <laughs> well, I, I think that was going to be my next point, which is that uh, standing with uh, the senator and the representative, not only were there police chiefs there, but there was the executive president of the Commonwealth Dispensary Association. So to me, that's what really yeah, concerns like this, me. So that, there's a profit motive. Yeah. Yep. That, that it's not just, public safety or, or anything it's really just a cover for private profit and that's why I think your answer is so excellent because if they can facilitate sort of a slowdown in the municipal licensing uh, across the state then the rollout of this bill could also be slowed down by municipalities so I think it's ingenious excellent yeah. thank you Grant for the call thanks for calling I also want to ask you another quick question about uh, the state police recently have there was a story that the globe unveiled about uh, secret cameras and secret databases that the state police have set up since 2014 and didn't tell anyone um, they have cameras like on the Bourne bridge and the sagamore bridge recording every car that comes in and out uh, they have all of uh, a lot more going on than that too like they basically have set up a camera surveillance system mm -hmm. um, they've funded uh, local police departments to be involved with these new systems you know the license plate tracking and the cameras and the databases there's really no oversight it's funded by the federal government as well who gives the money to the state police and the state police get all these uh locals involved and you know there's a lot of databases being created a lot of surveillance no oversight um when i lived in cambridge mass this kind of happened it was more uh the federal government was doing a direct department of homeland security gave the city of cambridge a bunch of money uh for the cameras and you know they were going to be plugged into the homeland security database and then Cambridge decided not to do it. And the cameras were actually up. They never got turned on. And eventually, you know, I had a camera on the corner of my street. Eventually that camera came down. It never got turned on. And they sent them back to the feds. Uh, where, where, where would you be on something like this? Wh you know, with uh, kind of the surveillance and the state police mm -hmm. running the system. And it seems like there's a lack of oversight, a lot of corruption, a lot of issues with the state police right now. I, I think one issue right off the bat is the fact that this is happening or was happening kind of in secret and that there wasn't that oversight um, and the intentions of why we're even doing the surveillance are not clear um, it, 
I think the questions of surveillance itself, I, I can't point to any studies, but like off the top of my head, but I, I've heard that in a lot of communities, it doesn't necessarily actually improve public safety. And my concern would be, again, who are we targeting and why? Um, well, a couple and also, I mean, just thinking about things like, say, terrorism, right? We've had a lot of people who have kind of passed through the system who've maybe even been surveilled and who might have committed an act. But on the other hand, I think people who are targeted because they might fit a profile through a surveillance. Like I just, it, yeah. I don't know if I'm couple, articulating you know, it very I, well, I, well, but I'm yeah. just sort of like, you there's know, just I, concerns, concerns about but, uh, I, like the state police did kind of answer some of that stuff. So I kind of want to push back a little bit on it and come with what they would say and what that was said in the yeah. globe. Like one of the things they said about why they didn't disclose it since 2014, which is what five years now. Yeah. They've been setting this whole program up, not telling anyone until the globe find out. And they didn't even want to tell the globe, but you know, Globe and ACLU are all over this. Um, but they said uh, that they were worried that people would sabotage this, the cameras and the systems and that a lot of these things are set up on, like, light poles and, you know, that people would start looking for them and unplugging them and smashing them and taking them out. So that was one of the reasons. And they also said the reason they want them is things like, uh, like what you mentioned, terrorism, the Boston bom Marathon bombing. Um, as well as, you know, the girls that were recently, one was abducted and killed and one was found. And cameras became very important in those cases. So that's their answer. Does that change anything in your... I think it's something where I would want to understand what, you know, in the experience of... So I kind of, uh, my brain jumped to this totally other thing, right, where dash cams and the impact of or police officers wearing cameras on their bodies and how actually having the the cameras may actually in some ways improve outcomes with regards to policing and people being shot or, you know, um, or unfairly treated because there's some surveillance or some system of accountability. But on the other side, it's sort of, again, why are we doing the surveillance? Um, is it, is it a way of looking for for problems or finding ways if you are suspicious of some somebody or something to actually then target and and be suspicious of them right. when there's not that's what i'm worried about yeah like, no like, i mean like, i'm definitely you know, the jealous uh you know the jealous spouse ex-spouse boyfriend who's a police officer who's using this stuff and you know I, for a personal matter like that's that's what you know, and even maybe it's not police. Maybe well, it's just what a are bad they doing guy. with all that data? That's like a lot of data. Someone cracks into the data. We know data gets leaked. We know police officers. Yeah. Th there have been police departments locally that have been swatted. There have been police uh, departments locally that have had all their stuff stolen digitally. You know, they've been held for ransom. Like, this happens to the police in their databases, too. So it could be anyone. It could be Russia. It could be the local uh, gangsters. You know, it could be anyone. It could be just your enemy that was you know, got access to that. And a lot of what we're finding out, too, related to this is that there's also a, a private connection where they're actually uh, working with private corporations, too, as part of the database. And there's a question whether some of the private corporations could get access to some of this stuff, like, you know, bail bondsmen. There's, you know, that semi-private co cooperation, those partnerships, they turn bad. And a lot of times that information gets leaked. And if you're filing for divorce, if you want to spy on your partner, like, these, these is... 
there's a lot of worries about this and how secure and how safe well it is. and it, it's i feel like there's this thread in our entire conversation of sort of preying on people's fears um i think people i mean in this era for a variety of reasons and maybe this fear has always existed but um there's this idea that we're less safe which in many cases is not actually true in terms of our day-to-day -day lives but but preying on that with these um surveillance systems or task force tax tasks bleh, why is that hard to say because it's hot in here okay yeah, <laughs> my tongue is starting to get like it's task getting hot and humid forces in here. we got um, like seven people in a small area with lights on us and no yeah, windows open yeah. um, and a hot day in the spring here but this the other thing i'm hearing is this sort of private profit motive right that also existed with the task force i know right so isn't this all it just makes me think like problems are being presented as being about one thing when they're really someone else's opportunity and money. it's not actually what what whether it's the state police or whoever it's not actually what they're saying it's about yes we got a few comments uh robert hocko who's a host of uh hocko and carnell one of the co-hosts good guy he's on our network great show should totally make sure people are watching and calling for free stuff i agree with you you're he's a good host he knows what's going on uh which we're we have been doing uh but you can still call in if you want the free week because people are asking about it online they're like where's the free weed crawford <laughs> uh hey robert also writes congratulations councilwoman and good luck in your running thank you um a lot of people are saying hi uh a lot of people are asking about the free weed where's the free weed waldo so if you want to call in and, and state your case for tickets, we'll give you tickets. Uh, Grant Smith, we would have given tickets, but he already won them last week or two weeks ago. He can. Yeah. But he might want some free weed. Well, I, You know what? I, I don't even have to advertise that one. I'm just going to give him some free weed next time we see him, right? He actually gave me some free weed a few weeks back. So this is how it works. Like, we're talking about sharing. We're talking about gifting today. Uh, you know, gifts, gifts. People gave me these, and I'm gifting them to other patients, so... That's what we're doing today. Um, if you want some, if you need some, you let me know because we're going to be doing more of this. We're also looking for sponsors. We also got a good lead because uh, we're going to be doing more of this. We're going to be doing more gifting, and we're going to be challenging. As in, you know, we we might you know if, if law enforcement or the politicians or the cannabis control commissioners don't like what we're doing, well, we don't like what they're doing, and when they stop their talk about busting people, maybe we'll stop doing this, but. You know, patients need medicine. And if we can help, we're going to help. And I have been helping all along, but now we're going to get vocal about it. And I don't care if I get in a little trouble or whatever, because they say you can't even advertise your gifting to people. I'm not asking for any money. I just give it to them for free. How can you tell me I can't talk about that? That's un-American. 502-501-3477 is our phone number if you want to call in. We've also got a huge event, April 27th. It's our fifth anniversary show. Um, live broadcast from Down the Road Beer Company uh, in Everett. We want you to come. There are tickets for sale right now. You can also pay at the door. April 27th. It's two Saturdays from now. you got to come down. Starts early at 6 p.m. It's an all-night event. It's going to be fun. whole cannabis community is going to be there. A lot of you know people from the political world. It's going to be... Uh, Bring two or three worlds together. You know, a lot of advocates. You're going to meet a lot of people. A lot of people with, like, uh, causes that maybe don't necessarily interlap, but they really do. So it's going to be a great networking night for cannabis, for politics, for local community, 
for everything that we do. And we're giving back that night. We're giving some great awards. We're going to honor some great people. I can't wait for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we just ordered uh, the awards today. Ooh, fun. So we know we know who won at this point. You can quit voting on the polls. And we're even going to give away a few other awards that we didn't even vote on or announce. So there's a lot happening that night, April 27th. They're going to be filming as well. Come down. April 27th, we're giving away the Michael Malta Activism Award. I think one of his daughters is going to be there. Um, we're going to have some special people. Tito Jackson, State Rep Nika Alagado, uh, and many more. There'll be some surprises. You know there will be. I can't wait. So I'll see you then. That's going to be our next show. We're going to take off this weekend. I want to thank you so much for coming in Thank today. you for having me. My guest, a city councilor from Melrose, yep. running for mayor. Yep. How can people look you up and support you? So my website is manisha4melrose.com, M-A-N-I-S-H-A-F-O-R-M-E-L-R-O-S-E.com. Manisha for um, Melrose. I also com. have a Facebook page, um, which again, if you look up Manisha for Melrose or my name, Manisha, last name B-E-W-T-R-A, you'll be able to find it, Instagram, Twitter, all of those, you Social can find media. me, you can find me. Um, and then more officially, um, as in my current role as a city councilor, um, which it's going to be still Board of Aldermen on our website because this isn't As officially this changed. isn't a done deal it's in yet. Process. Um, you can go to cityofmelrose.org and you can find me there as well. Awesome. And they can give you money to contribute. Anishaformelrose.com. That's correct. Awesome. There's a donate button right on the page. There is a donut button. Uh, definitely. And you came with uh, Jane Allen today, who's a friend yes. of the show. She's been on the show. We love her. Is she obviously supporting you? She is. is she working She's on the my campaign? committee chair. Oh, yes. She has been my support system um, since I announced and since before. I think she might be the first person. So I had the thought in my head, like I might want to run for mayor. And then I saw her and she, she, she said this to me. And I wanted to honor her by making her my committee chair because... She has been amazing for me. She's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I'm glad to see that. Um, and I met you both uh, through Shalene Title, who we mentioned earlier. Yeah. She took a little heat this week, and even like a Howie Carr call in the Herald. Do you want to say anything about Shalene? Because I, I think Shalene doesn't deserve it. She's awesome. She's the best cannabis, cannabis control commissioner we have. I wish the rest were like her. If they were, we wouldn't have to give away free weed today. So Shalene, Jane, you have all moved me on this issue. Um, I have, you know, initially when I, before the last time when I came on the show, I was meeting with Jane and Shalene to talk about our local policy, kind of express my own areas of discomfort because I'm not a cannabis user. Um, and I, I've, we've all kind of been surrounded by all the misconceptions uh, around the stigma, the history, and I felt in talking with Shalene in particular, but all of you, those misconceptions just melt away. And her whole thought and her approach to um, legalization across the board and how that can ultimately actually lead to better public health outcomes um, and ultimately make us safer, maybe in some ways decrease illicit, I mean, the more harmful drug use opiates right i mean the the more again the more i learn about um marijuana and how it's it can help with things like seizures it can be a uh, counter to opiates which are much more mm. deadly and more addictive and tylenol and alcohol it's all the things all and, all the bad and, things that kill and us. so i'm sort of i know on some 
gut level, I'm still moving through that, like becoming more comfortable. But I know I have people I can lean on to who and and some other folks in our community, too, who are who have gotten into this business because of a personal experience. Like one of our um, Melrose residents is is now a cannabis practitioner um, after having seen what relief her father had when he was very, very ill. Um, by using the product and now she she's changed her whole life and gone into that industry and I think just the more people I know who have had that experience I've heard these stories over and over again and it's not all the stereotypes of whatever I I don't know no I grew up it's not at all like I I have the Irish Catholic guilt and I was a jock and you know it's weird like I would never have expected to be and the medical cannabis, like talking about it, like I'm not in that business, I'm not in that field. I'm a patient. I have a bad back. Um, I mean, I that's also the, I had cancer, the, and it's helped me. It's it's a yeah. you know, I, I they gave me all those pills. You know what I mean? And I was taking all and the other things, Tylenol and alcohol, for the pain. And I don't need any of it. That's really amazing. Don't. It is amazing. And it's leaf. It is. Like we're talking about something that comes from a plant. And it makes you feel um. good. <laughs> Unlike all those other things that you take, it yeah. actually. And and people like that's the thing that drives me crazy. It's like, oh my god, it makes you feel good, so people have to feel guilty. Like, sick people feel good. We you you're gonna make them feel guilty for it. Yeah. Like really, that's I, the problem. Another that thing. Is the prob- like, just what kind of problem is Ted, going on in this world? Can I give Shalene another oh, like yes, shout Shaleen, out? Yes. So another thing I really appreciate about her is I that my struggle has always been. One, on, sort of on some level, on, like knowing I don't, uh, this should have never been criminalized and the impacts on um, people of color in sort of black and brown communities has been particularly severe on low income communities. And the fact that she brings that equity lens, but again, brings people along with her. I think just that combination, it's, that's always where my core concerns have come from is there's this massive lack of equity within sort of the illicit side of things and can we now have a new system where we're not just again supporting the profit motive but thinking about something that's more equitable for everybody and Definitely. I, I love that she's leading that charge I do too and uh, we support her 100% and I think everyone does in the cannabis community I don't see many people who uh, pay attention to what's going on that don't support her because they realize she's like the only one fighting for us up there. If, you know, if we had her running the whole show, we'd have delivery right now. We'd have all these things that we want that we're still hoping happen. And and we wouldn't even have a chance of having any of those things, like even a, a possibility if she hadn't fought for them um, with that Cannabis Control Commission. So I'm very thankful for her. I um, I think a lot of people should be I'm proud of her, too. That's the other thing. I've known yeah. her for a long time. I'm really proud of her. You know, a lot of people kind of, <laughs> you know. So we, I think, became like Facebook friends before we met in real life. And then one day I was sitting on the orange line and then she was standing right there and we like look up at each other and we're like, oh, hi. That's how we met in I real life. It. It's hilarious. But, um, you know, we're we're neighbors, fellow, I don't know, badass South Asian women. That's awesome. It's cool. It's very like, cool. I like knowing her. Yeah, and you're very nice, both of you. You're very sweet, and Thanks. but you're powerful woman. Like you kick ass. Like it's you see it. Like in both of you, I wouldn't want to be on either one of your <laughs> bad sides. So let me know if I ever do anything wrong. I will. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, we t- uh, 
we're the young jerks. It's hot in here. Like, I'm, we're really not. I know. Not, it's, it's time to go. Because we need towels now. We all need, like, it's time to go. Uh, we, we're trying to give away lots of free weed and tickets. I don't know what happened, but we still have this stuff. If you want to, cu- you got to hit us up on, on a Messenger. You got to send us a message because I got the stuff. And a couple people did call in. So follow us up on our Facebook page, The Young Jerks, and let us know what you want. You, we got the flower. We got uh, one of these, the cartridge, and we got the edibles. I think uh, one of the gentlemen got the dibs on the edibles. But you got to come to us, and you got to be 21 plus. So you got to work it out. You can either come to the North Shore, you can come to the Boston, Somerville, Cambridge, or we'll work it out, or Everett, because um, we'll be around. Uh, we're going to be doing this more often. We're going to get some sponsors to do it as well. But the big thing is we want to say, come to our party. Two weeks from now, Saturday, April 27th, 6 p.m. in Everett, down the road beer company. It's going to be a fun time. You don't want to miss it. Um, also, hit up your politicians. Hit up Hannah Kane. Hit up Mr. Moore. Hit up these uh, governor and let them know that you don't want additional law enforcement resources to go and busting people for cannabis because we voted three times to stop the war on cannabis users, to stop the war on the cannabis trade. We want it to be legal. So they need to remove the barriers. They need to start gifting if, if people can't get their cannabis, if there are so many barriers. They need to come up with other solutions besides throwing people in cages. So we're going to go. Um, I'm, I'm done with my rant today on that. Uh, I think I got the message out, hopefully. I think our listeners did, too. They were they kept calling about yeah. it. They were emailing. That was all they really wanted to know today, it seemed like. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're into this, so I know they are. Besides the free weed. Well, yeah, that seemed like a. But it proves the point. Yeah. This is what people are, are. They want. They want this product. We voted for it. Why are we treating it like it's plutonium or gold? It costs half as much as gold. Like, it shouldn't have to be that way. We grow it. We don't grow gold. We can't grow gold. You know what I mean? We, we can kind of wonder what it was like to be around in the era of prohibition. Of alcohol. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if a beer was fifty bucks. Although Melrose is kind of still, yeah. we we have, anyway. Things are I'm different. Gonna go on yeah, a whole we do because we're we're way too hot. We're, we're <laughs> like, I, especially me. I like now I'm like pouring. It's like all right. So uh, your city councilor uh, alderman <laughs> of Melrose running yep. for mayor. Yep. Uh, Manisha Butra. So you uh, got it right every single time. I did tonight. Thank you. I r- I, tried. I mean I think you did last time too. Well, I don't, I don't know about remember that. Though, I don't. I don't think so. Actually, <laughs> I think I screwed up a few times. But thank you for coming in, and uh, thank you for sitting in the hot studio with us and sure. answering all your questions, sure. taking all the phone calls, and dealing with our free weed contest. Right? Thank People you so much for the invitation. Thank you. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks, April twenty seventh. People, hopefully, we see you all. Uh, we can't wait. Down the road, beer company. It's going to be five years for us. Come down and celebrate with us. Tell us, tell us, you know, why you listen, why you like us. Uh, bring some free weed or, or expect to get some free weed. Who knows? Because we're encouraging the gifting. You know, we're not saying that we're announcing gifting at that event, but I wouldn't doubt if the community shares a lot because they always share with me when I go out. So <laughs> we'll see you there April 27th. We can't wait. Uh, we're the Young Jerks. I want to thank you again, Manisha. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, thank you, Murphy, behind the board. Disrupt Boston. I want to thank uh, uh, Su- uh, uh, Adam Souza. It's also filming today. We're going to have some new uh, video clips to s- share with our audience. We're working on a lot of things over here. Uh, we want to thank you for the support. We also want to thank 
uh, New England Cannabis Convention. We won a, uh, a huge award two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. But this is the first show since then. Uh, we won this uh, journalism award at their big convention. Um, we're still on a high about that. Like, that was not expected. We won over the globe and Big Boss and some bigger outlets. So um, we want to thank them. We want to thank the community for voting for us. And, uh, gee, it feels like we need to really deliver now. <laughs> so thanks for putting the pressure on us, uh, audience and, and, and supporters. We'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.